Welcome to By Design, episode 90. I'm your host, Danette Gora, and my hope is that this is a place where you'll find encouragement for your home and your soul. Today, I'm chatting with author Vivian Mabuni about her new book, Open Hands, Willing Heart. If you aren't familiar with Viv, she's written another book called Warrior in Pink, where she shared her cancer journey. And Viv is just a very sweet soul. She's very wise. She's been through a lot. And she knows her Bible. She's a wonderful Bible teacher. She's written for She Reads Truth. She's been a speaker at If Gathering. And just from getting to know her a little bit over the last few years, she really has a heart for the glory of God. And I'm truly blessed by her books and from the conversations we've had. So I hope you enjoy. And don't forget to head over to the website, bydesignpodcast.com. I'll have links there to Viv's website, her writing, and of course, links to buy her new book. Viv, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show again. We are so blessed to have you. This is so awesome. <laughs> Love spending time with you. Okay, well, so yeah. tell me about Open Hands, Willing Heart. When did you start writing this book and what was it birthed from? Like, is it from what you went through with cancer? You know, how did it start for wow. you? Well, I think it's it's been tumbling around in my heart, in my mind, in my soul for decades because the message of the book has just been my journey as a follower of Christ. So for me, coming to Christ, you know, not growing up in a Christian home, growing up in a culturally Buddhist home, mm-hmm. and then discovering that the Christian life is not hard to live but impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's why God gave us his spirit. Um, I wow. did not have that knowledge because I didn't grow up going to Sunday school or you know reading the Bible or anything. So I didn't have any foundation. It was really like blank slate. But I was trying to live the Christian life in my own effort, and I was failing very consistently, so much so that I really thought I was just going to, you know, have it be one more of the phases that a teenager goes through, you Mm -hmm. know. So I, you know, had gone through shoes and certain music groups, and now it was God, and I just tried it out. It didn't work. So I was really pretty much ready to, you know, toss the whole thing. And then my dad uh, went through midlife crisis, bought the sports car got a perm. (laughs) Then he comes home with the news (laughs) right before my senior year of high school that we were moving. And it wasn't across town or to even another state. We were moving from Boulder, Colorado after 17 years to Hong Kong. Oh my goodness. So that was the event that just took, I mean, every security was yanked away. Mm -hmm. And I was really faced with what, well, honestly, I was just mad at God you know, as a teenager, this was, it just felt so wrong and unfair, but I really kind of had my first moment of, well, a very honest prayer. Like I, I really want to know you, but I need a church, a youth group, some Christian friends. And if you do that, my hands are open. My heart is Mm -hmm. willing, you know, that's kind of the beginning actually of that whole story. And as God came through, I also followed through on that part and I yielded my life, all that I knew of myself to all that I knew of God in that moment. And that freed up the Holy Spirit to begin Mm. working in my life and leading and directing and teaching and all the things that the scriptures talk about, you know, this intimacy with God began. Mm. And then the story just continues. And so even as you mentioned with the cancer story, that was another point in time where we kind of re up again. And, you know, where the places that I was clenching, I needed to kind of open up again. Mm. And that has everything to do with the things that are most precious to us. So for me, you know, mom of three kids diagnosed, you know, with breast cancer as a 42 year old and thinking, I really want to see all the milestones, Lord, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be around. And yet, 
not my will, but yours be done. And again, it's that surrendering. So the title alone is really one of Mm -hmm. my life recalibrating type of phrases where I kind of need to stop every now and then and see, you know, God, how, how is my, how are my hands? Am I willing to allow you to put things in my life or even take things away as you see fit? And is the posture of my heart willing? Doesn't necessarily mean that I have to do all of these hard things, but I'm willing to do all these hard things, Mm -hmm. which sometimes includes staying (laughs) when I would rather go. (laughs) So that's what willing looks like. So yeah, so that's where it kind of I hope I answered your question. No, you did. Yeah. I was picturing your life, like opening your hands to move into, and even in your illness, just to be open to what God had for you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This idea of like open hands, that's something, you know, even just like physically in our bodies, that's kind of captivated me. It's something I've talked about on the podcast before, you know, just, just how it's exhausting. Like if you try to clench your fist and and say, I'm relaxed, you, you can't because it, it goes against. And so sometimes we don't realize that like in our lives, we're holding things so tight. And it's completely different when you even just with your hands, open them to the Lord and, mm. and, and like actually say, I'm letting go, I'm letting go of this and, and try yeah. to live it out. Yeah. How do you figure out what you're holding on to what you need to put down? How does one figure mm. that out? You know, how can we help people get there? How can I get right. there? And, and how can I get there as a fellow traveler? You know, so yeah. I, I do think that God is faithful in his kindness to us that he points it out that as we ask, I think he's pretty faithful to answer that question because I think he knows that as we open our hands, we actually walk in freedom Mm -hmm. and it opens up a world that we would not otherwise know, but there really is this battle with our will. And so sometimes I, I even think about what it looks like to raise kids. And I think I sometimes I've found myself often praying with directives like fix it God and you need to do it this way and would you just you know get that mean bully kid out of my kid's life and you know I'm praying very strong directives like this is how you need to do it and you need to do it now and I'm just giving you all my advice and please take it and proceed you know instead of really opening my hands and saying Mm -hmm. okay I I don't know what the best is, but I want to trust you in it. Hmm. And so rather than even, not that I don't pray for my kids anymore, but there is actually at times I just literally picture them and I just open my hands without any words. It's just really a surrendering, like, Mm -hmm. God, you know what's best and I don't. And so can I, can I just, I'm just entrusting them to you and I just leave them in your hands. And I think that that's where um, in the 12 steps, in Alcoholics Anonymous, step mm-hmm. 11 is knowledge of your will and the power to carry that out. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that really is this posture again of, I I don't necessarily know, but would you give me knowledge? And mm-hmm. here, here, here's the issue, right. um, whether it's, you know, unemployment or financial struggles or marital difficulties or whatever those areas are, a quick, short answer would be, I think that <laughs> the areas where we're, we're being very demanding in our prayer, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. think that's probably a good sign that we may be holding on right. or we really are trying to, we are, we are trying to will the outcome Yeah, and that's where we really need to lay that down. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, even when I was reading through your book and you were talking about like all the fads, I, I actually loved mm-hmm. all the, <laughs> all the things because I did some of those things and love some of those things. I can't think of them offhand. Um, of course, one was like, <laughs> 
I can't even think of it right now. Um, instant, instant pot, pot instant pot. Cause I want one and I don't pilot. Right. But we're always <laughs> trying. So like we're looking at what's in our hands instead of opening the things that we can get to fill them. But if we have our eyes on God, I feel like if we're looking to him, our grip isn't so tight. You know what I mean? Cause we're not looking at the things we're not looking down. We're looking up. And so if we keep our yes. eyes on him, I don't know, because we're always trying to fill that need and we're grabbing things. And, you know, the only thing that fills this void in our lives is the one we were made for. Right. I totally agree. And I think that sometimes the first part of the book really kind of I think by and large, most Christians want to live in a way that honors God, where we love him with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. I think it's becoming aware of the areas where we are apathetic or we are right. trying to fill with things rather, mm-hmm. you know, the created rather than the creator yep. uh, where we can become really busy, you know, mm-hmm. where we, so all of those things where I just think we, we live entitled where we, we have, we're just so mad when what seems like our rights to a, this really smooth life gets mm-hmm. disrupted. And all of a sudden we're shaking our fist at God. Um, all of those things I think are places where, Having those be pointed out are just, it's a helpful little checkpoint mm-hmm. for us to evaluate. And so for me too, I, there's something instantaneous where I think if I just binge on Netflix, then I'm going to be rested. And honestly, I have binged on Netflix and I don't necessarily leave that time with my soul replenished, you know, where, mm. and even, you know, my attitude going to church, like I could become such a consumer where I'm like, ah, I don't like the worship or uh, you know, the teaching isn't like really like inductive Bible study. And so, and, you know, when I get critical like that, I stop worshiping God, you know, right. and I'm just kind of the little critic with my little arms crossed, you know, in the back row being all critical about the greeters and the, the carpet color and, you know, all those <laughs> things. And I just think we can worship anywhere, anytime with any body of believers and have an amazing experience if our hearts and our eyes are set in the right place. Oh, oh yes. Um, mm-hmm. As an interior designer <laughs> and someone who's worked on church <laughs> projects, can't please everyone. <laughs> but I hear you. Like, we yeah. can worship in a garage. We can worship anywhere, outside, backyard. And this whole idea of how can we get there? How can we let go of whatever it is that we're that's holding us back from opening our hands and and freely following the Lord. And you mentioned a few of these in your book that I loved. Some of my favorites were, you know, like you mentioned, walking in forgiveness, letting go of some of the things that the icky feelings we have towards people or the church or just that monologue playing in our brain that's kind of negative. Those areas that we're walking in darkness, we need to bring into the light because I don't know, I, I feel like we're kind of stuffing those and ignoring them. And, and how can we walk in surrender and freedom if if there's these hidden areas that we haven't yet given to the Lord. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of thinking of um, like a woman that I had met um, and she tragically had lost uh, a family member in college. And here it was probably 15, maybe almost upwards of 20 years later, but she was so stuck in that loss that Mm -hmm. that clouded everything. And she never really walked through the grieving process where she could actually move to the place where she could let go Hmm. and be able to really um, still cherish the memory of this family member and still, you know, miss this family member. But it had so clouded her whole existence that that became what defined her. 
Hmm. You know, and I think that there's, there are times when I think if we ask God, like where, what are the areas where I'm really stuck? You know, chances are there's, there's probably a root of bitterness maybe that's set in or, Hmm. you know, are there, it's kind of like a little mental inventory. Are there people that show up at a family gathering or a, (laughs) you know, a ministry event and I just want to leave the room? You know, that's probably pointing out, you know, some relationship that probably needs a little surrendering and tweaking and forgiving. And, you know, so I just feel like (laughs) in my own life, I I feel like God has been pretty faithful to kind of point out. And it's not even doing wrong things. I think we can do the right things with the wrong motives. Hmm. And that can equally be, you know, I'm not doing this out of love. I'm doing this out of trying to manipulate somebody's feelings or emotions, Hmm. you know, so that's why I really think we do need to rely on the spirit of God and the word of God to be the, the plumb lines by which we evaluate. So it's not our emotions and it's not like this up and down based on our circumstances, but really when we have a plumb line, we have a, a better way to, to, to discern. And I think even to um, assess our circumstances. So um, I don't think we have to really go looking for it either. Like sometimes we can get so introspective, like, okay, you know, why am I not crying during worship right now? Is my heart hardened? <laughs> right. You know, sometimes we cry and sometimes we don't. And I think <laughs> the Lord is not more pleased when we cry in worship. You know, I think sometimes we chase after the emotion and, you know, that's not a realistic relationship with a human even. Like I can right. love my husband, but it's not daisies and unicorns every single day, mm-hmm. all day, every day, you know? So we, we go through some rough patches. And I think too, with my relationship with God over decades, I've seen seasons where it has been, you know, full on wrestling and sometimes it's kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's not like every time I open up my Bible, I have these amazing insights that make me cry, you know, <laughs> where I, you know, have tear stains, you know, that's, I can't be chasing after that, that, instead of the Lord. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So your book, I have to tell you, I took a picture of it today. I'm going to show it to you because you can see it. Your book, I'm like using it to death. There's so many good things in here, Viv. And it might just be, I don't know, some of your takes and some of the things that you pull out of the gospel stories, like you're, you're sharing different stories throughout the Bible and just putting little, I don't know, some of it like, it might be the first time I've heard some of it. And I'm just like, so excited and so in love with it. It, it. I'm just so I have to tell everyone that they need to read your book because you drop little bombs in here that I really love. Um, but one of the stories you focus on um, is the story of Esther. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, can you tell us why, like, why that story in particular? Is that one that's meant something to you? Or, you know, did you just see her needing to have her hands open to what God had for her? Well, I would say, you know, it's kind of funny because I was writing the book and I knew I wanted, I love teaching the Bible. That's, you know, one of my greatest joys is teaching the Bible. So I knew I had scripture that was kind of woven into the mm-hmm. different chapters, but I really wanted something that would kind of anchor the book, yeah. you know, and just you know, be something. And so, you know, I, I was really like thinking in my mind, but it literally was a Saturday morning. And you know how, like, you kind of, as you wake up, things start to clear, you know? And mm-hmm. so my mind was starting to clear. It was a Saturday morning. I think what was so glorious about that particular Saturday morning was that there was no alarm clock that woke me. I just woke up naturally 
that's always a great way to wake <laughs> up, I think, rather than the blaring alarm clock. But, you know, so there's no alarm clock. My eyes are opening. My mind is starting to clear. And I literally sat up in bed and went, oh, it's Esther, oh. the book of Esther. You know, so really, it felt like it was a gift from the Lord. Like it really yeah. was one of those downloaded moments where it's like, yes. And then as I'm sitting in bed, it was like, everything kind of fell into place in mm. different places and categories. And I think for me, um, again, it's like, I think we're taught the Bible sometimes without the historical background and mm -hmm. the context. Right. And so I loved, I'm, I'm on a, you know, an 80 million year uh, track to get my master's degree at Talbot Seminary and awesome. Bible Exposition. So it'll happen in 2045 at this point. But anyway, as I'm able, I take my classes toward my master's degree. And so as I study more of the Bible in the context, in the historical context, it's just giving me so much more to draw from and understanding what was going on. So to me, what was so interesting about Esther's story is, that, you know, we've always seen her as this heroine that comes and, you know, if I perish, I perish. And, you know, for mm -hmm. such a time as this, and she kind of, you know, comes up against Xerxes and all of that. And that story, you know, is kind of one of those like, princess stories that a uh, Disney princess story but when I thought about Esther it was like wait a minute you know what she grew up knowing she was Jewish so that meant the oral tradition of the Hebrew midwives who disobeyed Pharaoh's mm -hmm. orders to kill the babies mm -hmm. that were born to Hebrew women in Egypt there were you know Joseph who chose to honor the Lord and did not sleep with the Potiphar's wife and you know all this stuff and right. ended up in jail for doing the right thing she was very aware of all of these stories growing up and yet she chose to marry a pagan hmm. have sex before she was you know betrothed she's a part of a concubine it probably was not even her choice like right. we in the u.s think that we have this choice mm -hmm. i don't think she really had a choice but she could have probably stood up to it and said no i'm not going to have anything to do with this because i want to honor yahweh you know if you throw me into the lion's den kind of like daniel she could have made a stand at any point, but she didn't. And so to me, the change took place when she was confronted by her cousin Mordecai and she ends up saying, if I perish, I perish. Hmm. Like literally I'm laying down my life, my hands, my life is open to you, God. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be killed on the spot by this king because he's got this crazy temper, but I'm going to do the right thing. You know, right. and I think that that's when her whole storyline switched, mm -hmm. which was open hands, willing heart. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where that came. I back see that. Me. That is I, that's beautiful. She before that she was protecting herself, right? So when she said, "If I perish, I perish," uh, well, before that she was keeping her faith in her. You know, her background is secret, and you know he mm -hmm. was obviously an unstable kind of guy. So she was living the best life and hiding who she was. So God yeah. drew all that out. And I think so many times, even as Christians, we do that, you know, we're, we're hiding our sin, our sin life and, you know, some of the things we're holding on to so we can live our best life, the best life we think. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. eventually God's going to pull us out of that, right? Mm. Show us our sin and we're going to come to a crossroads. Such a good story. It's good stuff. Wow. I love to get in the yeah. stories of the Bible and, and you did that for me in this book so many times. So 
thank you. I'm so I'm looking forward to more of your little gems. So I can tell that you, you know, the word and that you've studied it. And as somebody who is passionate about God's word, Viv, I'm just going to be all over you. So watch out. I'm going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I just have so many things that I am inspired about by reading your book. And I read on your Instagram that you were, what was it? What did you say? You kind of had like imposter syndrome. You're carrying both sides of the fence, right? Like, am I a writer? Should I be doing this? I don't know. Totally. But you are like, I am blessed. I am, I am blessed by your writing. So just wanted to tell you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's, it's really, you know, the assignments that God gives us, I don't know if we ever come into any of them, be it, you know, motherhood or our work situation or whatever it is. I don't know if anyone ever comes into their assignments feeling like, oh, you know, this is so good. I think that there's that kind of what we were starting off with is kind of like going scared. Like, right. you know, I, but I think what's so beautiful that is there's a dependence too, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, okay, there's just, there's just only so much that I can really do, but I, mm-hmm. I have to battle myself and my, wanting to shrink back and just feel like, oh, you know, uh, it's not, I think of it as like false humility sometimes to just hold back and Mm -hmm. just like try to make be small. Mm -hmm. And I just currently camped out in Matthew right now. Mm -hmm. And so it was just yesterday as I was reading in the Sermon on the Mount and it was like being salt and light and let your light shine before men in such a way that Mm -hmm. you you glorify the father with your good works. And it's like, you know what, this is, this is so God. From beginning to end, like all of this, it's just such a fun ride. Mm. But I, and I wouldn't have ever pictured it, but it's kind of this craziness that's kind of unfolded. And Mm. um, one thing that I didn't realize that I uh, was, I'm a verbal processor. So I was being asked a question about open hands, willing heart. And I realized that it was the summer of 2008 when my husband and our, our whole family of five went to Japan to do summer missions, which is, I write about it, mm-hmm. you know, in, yeah. in the book. Actually, it was the second time we'd gone to Japan. The first one, Julia was not around, but the second time. And, you know, we were living in Mission Viejo with our house and the kids had a great school that they were going to and everything was moving along just fine. And it was in Japan where the Lord kind of called me on it and just asked me like, Hey, if I ask you to sell the house and move here to do ministry, are you willing? Mm. And I crossed my arms and I was mad. Like my whole body, my hands were clenched. You know, it was like, excuse me, I'm, I've been in vocational Christian ministry for two decades. You know, I'm like, I've given you everything already. (laughs) Like this is, this is not, you know, this is not an easy life right now, Lord. And so, (laughs) but God was asking, are you willing? And Mm. I had to wrestle it through to come to a place where it's like, you know what, ultimately, God, I don't know what's best for my kids and their future and their faith. And really, at the end of the day, it's all yours. I understand that cognitively. But even in my practice, I need to understand that my house is not yours. It's not mine. It's yours. You know, my Mm -hmm. life is yours. My future is yours. And so I wrestled it out with the Lord in Japan. And the Lord didn't have us actually end up moving to Japan to do ministry, but he needed to check my heart that this is what I didn't realize that three days before Christmas that same year was when I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. So it was like, I feel like even that was something that the Lord was preparing my heart for. Like, are you willing? Is, is your life really, does it really belong to me? 
And I was challenged with that. And I think that believers come to a place of re-upping where we wrestle with our will, our future, our choices, our very being. And um, I think the Lord in his goodness, you know, asks us again, like, will you trust me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can't see it until after the fact, right? Like we're in the yeah. situations and we're, we're dealt a blow and it's hard. So you, you grab onto your faith, but it's like not till later mm-hmm. that you can see just all the things that he dropped beforehand, how he really did go before. Thank goodness he doesn't tell us, I'm going to do this, this and this, because it would just, right. it would mean yeah. nothing because <laughs> we suck. But yeah, he, God is the master. <laughs> we're just chickens. We are. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was just thinking of something where God was doing the same thing kind of in my life um, just here recently, kind of with this podcast. And he was asking me, to, well, can I stand on my own? You know, because there's safety in numbers, man. I can do anything with a friend, you know, yeah. and to, to stand yeah. alone and proclaim truth and to to be a light. You know, that was something that I wasn't willing to do. And it's just funny how God, he takes the crutch away. And he kind of takes us mm-hmm. to where maybe we never wanted to go. But yet, once you get there, you're like, okay, Lord, if if it's all about knowing you more, you mentioned mm-hmm. that in your book, my word for this year is known, to make him known and to know him mm-hmm. more. That's what all this is about. It's not about achieving. It's not about doing things in our church. It's about knowing God and being known by him. You talked about that in your book. I don't know what chapter it was. I'll have to look at my notes, see if I can see it here. But I tell you, I always like high-fiving you. Mm. Oh, so good. Awesome. Well, I think learning to embrace no is probably one of the harder acts of faith that we implement in our our faith journey. Because Mm -hmm. for me, as I pray, I equate a yes from God, an answer of prayer as an affirmative as uh, as love. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, God, would you do this? And he says, yes, you know, sure. Um, I'll provide this for you or, you know, and, and I do think he wants us to cultivate a relationship where we're always in conversation and bringing our requests before him. I think that's perfectly fine. But for me, it takes a tremendous amount of faith to understand that when God says no, it is not the absence of love or his favor. And I tend to see no as rejection Mm -hmm. rather than understand that a no is actually sifted through his goodness and his love and his favor, which this side of heaven may not make sense. Hmm. So the stories that I share too, in particular in the book, um, we prayed for my dear friend's son who was in a hmm. motorcycle accident and young and just everything going for him. And we prayed in faith and we were fasting and we were trusting God for this outcome. And he was making steady progress. So everything was pointing Mm -hmm. toward a yes. And then he suffered a massive stroke and then the Lord took him home. Mm -hmm. And that really rocked my world because in no rendition of the story does that answer make sense to me, Mm -hmm. except for that God when he says no, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. And so there's that example, I think it was in Mark, mm-hmm. you know, where Jesus healed yeah. the demon-possessed man and the swine, which were demon-possessed, the demons asked Jesus, don't send us to, I guess, what would be considered hell. Would you send us into the pigs? Mm-hmm. And and God said, yes. So, you know, they went off the, the mountain and they drowned in the sea or whatever, but that was a Yes. The people were scared because God had healed. And so they asked Jesus to leave. Like, would you just 
leave with your people and get out of here? And he said, sure. So he said yes. Mm -hmm. And then the demon-possessed man who was now delivered, finally in his right mind, clear thinking back to his true self again. And he asked, can I come with you and go wherever you want it, wherever you're going? And Jesus turned to him and said, no, I want you to stay. I want you to go back and tell people what has happened. And, and Jesus loved this man. And I think to me, it's like, how, how does that figure in my life? And then I think about Jesus himself asking in the garden, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, would you do that? And he said, no, like Jesus had to go through with it and die for our sin. And so there's this idea that the father never stopped loving the mm-hmm. son and he never stops loving us even when he says no. Right. And that's um, one of those things that we need to learn to actually embrace his no and learning to embrace his no is probably one of the hardest things that we do in the Christian life. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's deep. I mean, because when he tells us no, it's almost like a child. You feel like you've done something wrong or it's on your merit, but you know, because you haven't mm-hmm. done this or that, but yet he sees the whole picture, right? Yeah. He sees yes, he- and he has purpose that we don't see. I, I loved what you shared in your book about your sister's testimony and how, what was the country that she fell in love with and was praying for? Oh, yes. I can't think of my sister in Albania. Albania. So she, yes. I mean, what a, I had no idea where that, I have no sense of direction <laughs> and geography is like really poor. Like I was actually, true story, I was on the University of Colorado. I was on the forensics team, which is the debate team for the university. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I honestly thought that Nicaragua was in the Middle East. Like, I just, I don't know. I just don't know geography. So anyway. I don't either. I so no idea. Yeah. So where is Albania? So it's it's a tiny little country um, near Greece, communist first, mm-hmm. officially stated atheistic nation, mm-hmm. you know, in 67. And so anyway, my sister prayed for this country and God opened up these doors for her to be on the very first summer mission with crew to that country. And she had the worst summer of her life after having prayed for years daily for this country. Mm-hmm. And that's the chapter on serving without seeing. Okay. And I don't know if we should give away the answer at the end. but Yeah, okay, um, we won't. But so good. it's just, I think that there are so many things that we do day in and day out that we have no idea that it, it changed the course of history and it changed people's lives in that ripple effect. So when you're talking mm-hmm. about, knowing God and making him known Mm -hmm. that we have no idea. Like that little conversation that we had in the target checkout line could have very well altered, you know, as we are just walking in the spirit and walking with our eyes on the Lord and loving well, the people around us, we just have no idea. We serve without seeing, we don't know the outcome. And I think one day when we get to heaven, I think we're just going to be blown away because who knew that that person's Christian grandma had been praying, you know, that very day, and we were somehow the answer to that prayer. And we just had no idea. Yeah, I I think that's going to be one of the best things about finally being home, seeing everything. Right. Yeah. And what an encouragement for right now, the things that we do, the small things that we can do, the way God uses them, we, we have no idea. Like the people in biblical times that were doing these things, they didn't know the impact they were suffering for their sin or their own loss. Like, it was small yeah. to them too, but yeah, 
the the truth plays out again and again for all of us and the people that will come after us. It's like only God can do that. I, I totally agree. And it's just, it gives purpose, I think, because, you know, I think about my, my early years as a mom of young kids and life felt so um, hidden. Like, I, I just felt like the only one who knows what's going on in my life right now is God. Mm. <laughs> you know, And it was just, it was just, hard. it just felt like a wilderness time for me. You know, I just, I could not see the difference it was making. It's like, how many different ways can I sweep my kitchen floor, you know, it's like all my days are spent wiping counters and wiping butts. Yes. So I think we do go through different wilderness times, Mm. but there are certain lessons that can only be learned in the wilderness times. Mm. And they are the very lessons that are the unseen ones that create our root system. Mm. And that for your listeners who are in a wilderness season, that God's intention wasn't that we would walk around in circles. But there are only lessons, some lessons that we can only learn in the wilderness time. But those are the very lessons that actually force our root system to go deeper. Mm. And so I want to just encourage those listeners. So they might be drowning in piles of unfolded laundry and all Mm. the goldfish that are smashed into the carpet in the back of the minivan or whatever it is. God knows and he sees. And this season is incredibly worthwhile, even if we don't know. We start with that seed. Yeah. So you were just talking about this tree and the roots. And I loved that in your book because I'm kind of fanatical about trees. And I told you this once before when we talked about how I've just been on fire for the Holy Spirit and um, learning about the Holy Spirit. And you have taught on the Holy Spirit and I've heard you speak on the Holy Spirit. So what was the psalm like in your oh, book? Psalm 1? Psalm 1, yeah, about how yes, the tree, yes. the roots. Blessed is the man who yeah, yes, does not walk yeah. on the counsel of the wicked, but is by the streams of water and it's yes. little, okay. green, that one, yes. So one. when I read that in your book, you know, water signifies the Holy Spirit and that tree with the deep roots that's being nourished, mm. um, it's growing because it's it's drawing from the river of life, which is the Holy Spirit, which is what's feeding it. And so like, if we want all these things, if we want to live open handed and all and be like that tree with the roots and the fruit, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and we need to look for him and be open to it. And I don't know, I just think we can go nowhere without it. You know, we don't realize the stream sometimes, like sometimes we're growing and people who aren't like really into the Holy Spirit, he's still doing the work. Like we're, we're seeing the benefits, but yet if we could just open our eyes and, and see God as the Holy Spirit, I think that it, it changes so much. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think too, even this idea of open hands, willing heart, that's not something that we muster up in our own efforts. Hmm. I think that really the only way that we can live with open hands and willing heart is that we're relying on the spirit, that we are walking in the spirit that we, and so in that way, the juices are flowing from the vine to the branches, mm. you know, via the Holy Spirit. And, yeah. you know, the natural outcome will be fruit. But we focus so often on the fruit and, you know, our conduct and mm. the rules and keeping the rules and all of this. And the Christian life becomes really dutiful and dry and very rules based and shame based, you know, mm-hmm. shame and guilt based. And we miss the whole, the beauty of relationship that comes with abiding that, mm. you know, in, in, at the end of the day, 
the blessing isn't the fruit. The blessing is Jesus. Mm. And I think when we have him, we have everything. Mm-hmm. And we, so even for those who are struggling with opening their hands and having a willing heart, it's not something that we muster up in our own efforts. So I think honesty with God is probably one of the greatest gifts that we have from him that it doesn't freak him out. I don't think Mm -hmm. he gets, it does not ruffle his feathers in any way when we are like freaking out. But I think when we're honest with him and just say, you know what, God, I want to want to want to be willing, you know, that's really where I am at. I think he delights in that and he takes us where we're at. And I think he will challenge us like, well, if you want to want to want you know, would you trust me with these varying areas that you are clenching onto? Hmm. Will you let me have my way with you? You know, and in that, I think we come away knowing God better, where he's not just a cognitive understanding of the attributes of God. And these are the verses or whatever. We actually know him and not just about him, which right. kind of goes back to your word of the year. You know, it's like right. to be to know him is not knowing about him. It's not knowing theology. It's not knowing the correct Greek definitions of these words and all that. It's really knowing intimately the God of the universe, which is available to all, mm-hmm. which I think is so remarkable. It is. Amen. Oh, Viv, I've enjoyed talking with you so much. I wanted to mention one thing because you are involved in like so many different ministries. Like you just got back from a Rwanda, right? And um, mm-hmm. and you were with uh, what was it? Uh, African New Life. African New Life. Yeah, yes. that's yes. really cool. That I saw your picture so with Hanette. Is yes. that how you say her name? Yes, oh. Hanette. She's. I am such a believer in student sponsorship. Um, I think that. Not only does it change the life of that student who gets to stay in school, like the $39 that pays for school fees and uniforms Mm -hmm. and resources and materials, that, that the one thing about this trip was that we met young adults who had once been sponsored Mm. and we got to see where their, where God led them, Mm. you know, now that they have graduated just to see like business owners and people working in the medical field and, you know, in different, just different fantastic places. It was just such a game changer because it doesn't just affect the individual, it affects the family, the community, the whole nation. I mean, there's just such a beautiful partnering of compassion and the gospel together. I think that what I love about African New Life is that it is a ministry that is founded and led by Rwandans Hmm. in Rwanda. So they know what needs to be happening. It's not us coming in with our preconceived ideas like, oh, we should probably dig a well here, you know, without actually (laughs) knowing like what needs to happen. So there's just a a high level of integrity. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm so, so the first chapter of the book is actually the story of Florence and she um, is one of the co-founders of African New Life, but she so demonstrates to me a woman who lived with open hands and a willing heart. Mm. So your book is out. What, what would you say? What's next? I'm hoping to launch my own podcast. So I'm <gasps> feeling all the feels. Oh. So yes. Hey. So I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. So. I love that. Go scared, right? That's what Joe Briscoe said. Seriously, I am. <laughs> well, I definitely have that checked off. <laughs> I, got yeah. that one. I got that one. Oh, that's awesome. I Well, I can't wait. I will definitely be listening and telling my listeners about it. That's so great to get to hear your sweet voice. So what is it going to be about? It is. Okay. So are you familiar with Truth's Table? Yeah. So it will be a 
it's not a Christian podcast, but okay. it will be a podcast for Asian American women mm. on leadership and ethnic journey. Hmm. Uh, 95% of my uh, guests at this point are believers. So my prayer really underneath all of that is that people will find the Lord as they are clicking and right. learning about some of the people. But I, I just feel like it's, my hope is that non-Asian will listen and learn Asian American history, culture, but it's a place where I don't need to code switch. I don't need to explain anything. We're just jumping right into our conversations. Hmm. And that part I love. I love that idea, so your podcast. Yeah. You know, I recently read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson and it's so good. It's so eye opening. And like, you know, I'm a, a white girl living in Northwest Indiana and there's so much I don't understand, but I love what his mom said to him. She said, you know, the the most important things in life that need to be understood, you have to get close to it. You know, yes. like you have to exactly. draw close to understand. It. And so like mm -hmm. being able to listen into a podcast where people are talking about their heritage and and what they struggle with for mm -hmm. someone who doesn't understand that it would be amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think there are different we're just kind of all on a journey and at different points. So growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, most people of color will just try to fit in, mm -hmm. you know, so it's a very different. So my husband growing up in Hawaii, where Asian was the majority, mm -hmm. had a very different experience because the newscasters are Asian, the senators are Asian. I mm -hmm. mean, everybody's Asian, the food, you know, just there's just such a an understanding of the collective, all the nonverbals everyone mm -hmm. could read and understood very different than growing up in Boulder, Colorado, you right. know, with just a handful of Asian Americans and just trying to fit in and trying to do all the all American things, even though I'm like a hundred percent American born in Madison, right. Wisconsin, You're American. But, you yeah. know, but that part. So I, I think there mm -hmm. might be a, a journey of discovery because it's like, finally someone's putting words to experience. And so I'm hoping to like, I have on my docket to interview uh, adoptees mm. and mixed race, yeah. all variations of Asian so that there's more of a robust understanding that Asian is more than Japanese, Chinese and Korean, hmm. you know, so yeah, what is the Hmong experience? What is the Vietnamese experience? What is, you know, what is it like to, um, to grow up as the only Asian American in a white family in Minnesota, you know, like mm -hmm. that's a very different experience as well. So absolutely. Yeah. So those are all the, the yeah. plan. And that's I, the plan today. Yeah. I, so I don't know. Amen. This is going to be great. When is that coming? When do you think? <laughs> um, so I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to release a teaser trailer so people can start to subscribe mm -hmm. on July 22nd. And then the first episode will be August 5th. And then I'm going to do about 12 episodes per season. So, yeah. you know, from August and then take a break for the holidays and then jump back in in January. So that's what I'm planning. Okay. So I'm super excited. Yeah, that's really cool. Awesome. Fresh well, faith. Fresh faith. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, we just keep growing step by step, right? New, there's new mountains to climb. All day, every day. The podcast actually feels scarier than the book release right now because I've just never done the podcast. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've released a book, but not to this degree. Yeah. You know, I didn't have an audiobook last time. It's just mm -hmm. not, you know, it was a smaller publishing house, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's really great. I'm excited for you. I just want to thank you for coming on, for being you and just 
you know, you talked about someone in your book, her spirit was full of kindness and gentleness or something. And I think that is you too. And may God get the glory for every bit of it. And just thank you for, for writing and, you know, sharing your story and, and also championing other women. You're so kind and open and available. And I, I'm excited for you and all you're doing, especially with this new podcast. And it's good stuff. Yes. I'll keep you posted about that. Okay. So, I appreciate it, girl. Definitely. Best of luck. Have a great day. Thanks, okay, Yep, I will. <laughs>